0: Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The call to follow Jesus. Now, the core of Christianity really is the call to follow Jesus. I know some of you have been told that it's so that you can discover your best life now. But that is not the case. The core of Christianity, simply put, is the call to follow Jesus. It's the call to draw close to him. To draw close to his heart. It's the call to love him, to obey him, and to become more like him every day. To suggest anything else really would be an attempt to redefine words and rewrite the Bible. As Jesus began his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 4, what do we find? We find in verse number 17 that from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the message of Jesus from the very beginning was that we as humanity were headed in the wrong direction. Repent means to turn around. We're headed in the wrong direction. We need to recognize our sin and we need to turn to the Savior. So the message of Jesus from the very beginning is to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse number 18, we see this. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, and Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Verse 19, and he saith unto them, what does it say, church? Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You see, from the very beginning, the, the crux of Christianity, the call of Jesus, has been to turn to Him from our sinfulness and then to follow Him with our lives. You know, I'm going to tell you, there is nothing quite like knowing and following Christ. When we get to Matthew 17, to give you a little bit of context, Matthew 16, Peter, Peter had had a big, big day in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, Peter had had a tremendous breakthrough and a tremendous blunder, all in less than 10 verses. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 15, we see this, and he, this is Jesus, saith unto them, uh, but whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus answered and said unto him, "Blessed art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven." You see, Jesus is not just a, a good teacher, He's not just a, a good leader, He's not just a wonderful healer. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm going to tell you that's quite a breakthrough for Peter. That's quite a breakthrough boy, we jump less than 10 verses forward. Verse 21. And from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Well, Peter's feeling pretty good about himself. You remember what happened like six verses ago, right? And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You know, Matthew 16 was a big day for Peter, wasn't it? A breakthrough and a blunder. How many can identify with that? You know, I love how Christ is direct with his correction, but I also love how Christ is gracious with the call to follow on. You know, Brother Mark talked about it. God's plan for us once we get saved, salvation is first, but once we get saved, God's plan for us is something called sanctification, progressive sanctification, meaning that we are to grow every day. You know, if I were Jesus and, and I were offended by Peter and Peter was taking the position of Satan, you know what, I might just be fed up with Peter. But not Jesus. Not, he not just corrected Peter, but he was gracious in the call to Peter to follow on. Aren't you grateful for God's patience with us? Amen. It's, it's easy to say amen, but just stop and think about the way we've lived our lives. Aren't you grateful for God's patience with us? Praise God for His patience with us. Praise God for His plan for us. And this morning, I want to look at the account of the transfiguration and see today some truths about the call to follow Jesus that can help us all in our walk with Him. Look with me, Matthew 17 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. I want to note first this morning, that the call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. The call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. Did you note that Peter took, uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John? He took them apart from the rest of the group. Because the call to follow Jesus has never really been a matter for for the multitude, but rather a matter for each man individually. You see, just hanging with the crowd is not really answering the call to follow Jesus. Being in church on Sunday morning is a good thing, but that in and of itself is not answering the call to follow Jesus. The call to follow Jesus is, is not something that's a matter for the multitude, but it is a matter for each man. Because, you know, you look at the multitude in Scripture and you know what you find about them. They never really followed Jesus very closely. I mean, they were there when Jesus was handing out free dinners. I mean, they came by the thousands when Jesus was having a fish fry. It wasn't that many fish, but, you know, he made it work. They showed up by the hundreds when Jesus was healing But, you know, when Jesus really got to teaching and communicating his heart and communicating God's truth, what happened? The multitudes kind of went away. So much so that one time Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you guys going away too? Got to love Peter. He said, where else would we go? (laughs) You see, the call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. It it, it means we're going to have to come apart. It means we're going to have to come apart from the world. You can't walk with God and run with the world. You can't do it. Can't do it. It means we're going to have to come apart from the hustle. How many of us are busy? It's summertime. The kids are off of school. There's no sports being played in my house right now. And yet I feel like we are busier than we have ever been. How? I talk to retired people. And they tell me, preacher, I'm busier than I have ever been. And we run and we run and we run and we run and we do and we do and we do. And all of it is probably good and wonderful. And I mean, it's, it's not bad. But boy, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to come apart. Because you see, I can't truly follow Christ and, and run around town all day. I can't truly uh, walk with Christ and, and do nothing but, but, but get up and go and then collapse back in bed. You know, I love what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse number 6. Jesus said this, but when thou prayest, what did he say? and he, he said, what, bow your head and say a quick couple of words before you eat your fast food, right? No, what did he say? He said, when, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You see, the call to follow Jesus truly is a call to a different route. You have to come apart. Come apart from the world. Come apart from the hustle. And this is is simply the concept of spending quality time with someone. Spending quality time with the Lord doesn't happen by accident. You know what? I graduated from Bible college. I graduated from Bible college. I graduated from seminary. Never once have I woke up in the morning and the Bible magically floated over to my lap. Never once has it opened to the proverb for the day and some majestic voice begun to read it to me. Hey, I awake from my grogginess. Never once. Never once. In fact, anytime you pick up your Bible or anytime time you close the door to pray, what happens? The phone goes off, the kids start to fight, the dog goes crazy. We won't even talk about cats, right? <laughs> but the call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. Can I summarize it this way? I don't live the same way the world does. I don't it probably means I don't have time to do everything the world does and my kids don't have time to play all the sports that the world does and I don't have the, op- the time to work all the overtime that the world does. Why? Uh, because the call to follow Jesus is a call to come apart. And if you don't learn to come apart, you're going to find that life's going to come apart. So Peter, Jesus took Peter, James, and John apart from the rest of the group. Not only did he take these men apart, he also took them up. The different route is, is apart. The different route is ascending. If I might spiritualize this concept a little bit this morning. Uh, the call to follow Jesus is a call to set our affections on things above. Colossians 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. I love the progression that we see in the text. He took them apart. He took them up the mountain. Eventually, what happened when Peter opened his mouth? We'll get to it in a minute. The cloud overshadowed them. Their attention was drawn where? Further up till they fell on their face. And then when Jesus lifted them up, what did they see? They saw Jesus only. It's almost like the chorus we opened with this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, so how many of us have ever heard the statement, he's uh, of, uh, too heavenly minded to be of much earthly good? How many of us have heard that statement before? That statement is not true. That statement is false. To be truly heavenly minded is to be the most earthly good. Why else would Jesus have taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 10 that we ought to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so the call to follow Christ is a call to a different route. It's a call to get our eyes off of the things of the world and get our eyes pointed up on the things of God. In other words, not only do I not live the same way the rest of the world does, I don't want the same way the rest of the world does. He took them apart. He took them up. I'll make one other note about this, the call to a different route. Jesus didn't just take them apart. The route wasn't just apart. The route wasn't just ascending, but the route was arduous. Jesus didn't call them to a soft route, but to a strenuous route. We're not given the detail in Scripture, but this, in this particular portion of Scripture, but this, this high mountain apart uh, is believed to be Mount Hermon there in the Holy Land. Mount Hermon is some 9,400 feet above sea level. How many of you have ever climbed a mountain? A couple. I mean, even little mountains are tough to climb. We went up what I would call a little mountain when we were in Honduras, and we required breaks. Some of us required more breaks than others. But we all required breaks. Just something about that incline. It's not easy. You know, the road of following Jesus is not an easy road. If a preacher looks at you and says, God just wants you to be healthy, happy, and wealthy, and wise, or whatever they say. God just wants your life to be, what does David Weirich say, gummy bears and lollipops. We're just going to skip along like the Smurfs, la, 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 la. If somebody tells you that's what true faith in Christ brings, I'm sorry they have lied to you. Jesus said in the world ye shall have tribulation. Jesus said, what did he tell us to do? That if any man would come after him, we needed to uh, die to ourselves. That we needed to take up our cross and follow him. You know, this this route of following Christ, it's a different route. It's not an easy route. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of people just don't want to put in the effort. A lot of people are just satisfied getting a taste here and there. We're kind of the casual fan. But if you want to really follow him, if you want to really answer the call to follow him, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to endure hardness. You're going to have to hunger and thirst for him in his presence more than anything else. Because that's what's going to keep you going when the road gets rough. I say this morning the call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. But not only is the call to follow Jesus a call to a different route, I want you to notice something else about the passage this morning. Look with me at verse number 2. The Bible says, the speaking of Jesus, and was transfigured. Uh, That word is metamorphosized, if you would. It's, It's like the caterpillar to the butterfly. I mean, something dramatic changed. Jesus didn't just get a little bit shiny. No, Jesus was radically different and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white. As light. Say this morning the call to follow Jesus is a call to a different route. Not only is it a call to a different route. It is a call to a deeper relationship. It's a call to a deeper relationship. As these men followed Jesus what did they find? They found that they came to know him and experience him like they had never known him before. The Bible says here that Jesus was transfigured before them, metamorphosis, like I said, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. And what we find is that the glory that was Jesus's from eternity past began to shine through him in, in, in an unearthly manner. It was a sight unlike anything you can imagine. You know, I think to be honest with ourselves this morning, we would have to say that Very often we settle for a shallow, surface understanding of and relationship with Jesus. We love to hear things about Him. You know, we we come to church and we long to be blessed by the Word. We long to sing the songs and we love to hear things about Him. We love to enjoy things about Him. We love to receive things from Him. But none of those things are the same as knowing Him and knowing Him deeply. None of those things are the same as walking with Him day by day, drawing nearer and nearer to His heart and likeness. And the reality is, few truly take the time to know Jesus deeply. I mean, as you look at your own relationship with the Lord this morning, how deeply do you know the Lord? As you look at your own relationship with the Lord this morning, how how are you growing closer to him each day? How are you growing more like him each day? How are you growing more in love with him each day? How are you seeing and experiencing him in deeper and deeper ways each day? You know, there's no shortcuts here. You know... Brother Mark talked about it earlier. It's, it's that progressive sanctification. It's that day by day. It's being in God's word. It's praying. It's trusting him in the hard times. It's, it's hearing from him. It's being filled with the spirit and submitting to the spirit. It is a call to a deeper relationship. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. There is a greatness And a glory to Jesus that exceeds our capacity to comprehend. We see here that his face did shine as the sun. If you go over to Revelation chapter 1, we get a a different description of the Lord here. Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse number 13. John says, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Look what the description of Jesus is here. Clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps, the chest, with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, which as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. Tell you, if you've ever been to a, a, a waterfall or Niagara Falls and you hear the roar of the water, you know what? There's no answering that. It's all consuming. His voice is the sound of many waters. And he had at his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Look what happened. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Boy, I tell you, when we really get to know Jesus, it's a humbling experience. It's not a casual thing. It's not a casual thing. It's not, yeah, me and God are cool. No, when we really get to know Jesus, when we really see Jesus, when we really have the opportunity to see Him in His greatness and His glory, it is a transformative thing. I love what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 14. Look at this description. He said, And thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is that blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at the description. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Whom no man hath seen nor can see. To whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. You know what? There is a greatness and a glory to our Jesus that exceeds our capacity to comprehend. By the way, that's not meant to be a discouragement unto you. It's meant to be rather an encouragement. That we will never exhaust the potential depth of our relationship with Christ. You ever exhausted the potential of your relationship with somebody? Like you have that conversation for three minutes, and then you're like, so. Good seeing you. Like, yeah, yeah, this has been nice. You ever been there? I've been there. Sometimes it's bad, because like as the preacher, I feel like I ought to be better at conversation. You get about three minutes in, and it's like, (laughs) well, wonderful. (laughs) And sometimes with some people, it seems it just doesn't take a whole lot for you to exhaust the, the nature of your relationship. But you recognize with the Lord Jesus that will never be the case. I mean, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you will never, you will never hit the bottom. You will never exhaust the potential depth of the relationship you can have with Christ. Boy, the call to follow Jesus. we got to understand some things about it this morning. Number one, it's a call to a different round. Number two, got a call... We have to understand that it is a call to a deeper relationship. I want you to see one other thing this morning. You've listened really well. Beginning in verse number three, the Bible says, And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. And Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if thou wilt. This is Peter. He's going to knock it out of the park again. He said, If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. But while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, "'Arise and and be not afraid.' And when when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, "'Tell the vision to no man.'" Until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. So the call to follow Jesus, it is a call first to a different route. It's a call secondly to a deeper relationship. And it's a call thirdly to a determined response. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean, if we're really going to follow Christ, we're going to have to make some determinations. We're going to have to determine, first of all, to receive His plan. How many of us have our plan? I have my plan. My plan is wonderful. My plan is the best. Here's the deal. If everybody would just get on board with my plan, everybody would be happier. Things would be wonderful. We'd all have no problems. I got a plan, amen? How many of you have a plan like I do? Yeah. Yep. You do. Here's the thing. Your plan may not be God's plan. And if your plan's not God's plan, you've got to decide whose plan you're going to go with. It is a call to a determined response, determined to receive his plan. I love what the Bible here in Matthew doesn't tell us what Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were talking about. But over in Luke, it does tell us. If you look over in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 30, this is Luke's account of the same thing. The Bible says, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, and who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So what were Jesus' Moses and Elijah talking about? They were talking about the cross. They were talking about the fact that Jesus was about to go and die for the sins of humanity. Now, backtrack to chapter 16. Do you remember what Peter stuck his mouth, a foot in his mouth in in that chapter? Jesus began to tell him what? That, that, that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and be put to death. And Peter said, no, 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 no. Well, here in chapter 17, Peter gets confronted with this again. He got confronted with the fact that Jesus was going to die. By the way, this still wasn't what Peter wanted. But it was God's plan. And here's the reality. If you and I are going to follow Jesus, we have got to make the decision. We have got to determine that we are going to get on board with what God is doing. We got to spend less time trying to get God on board with us. And we got to spend more time trying to get ourselves on board with God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Boy, if we're going to answer the call to follow Jesus, hear me, we have got to make some decisions, brothers and sisters, that it's not my will that matters most, it's His It's not my plan that I'm stuck on. It's his. It's his. It's his. It's his. It's his. It's It's a determination to receive his plan. It's a determination not only to receive his plan, but also to receive his perspective. Oh, Peter. Peter means well, doesn't he, church? Did you see verse 4? What are those first three words of Matthew chapter 17 and verse 4? Church, what is it? Then... Then answered Peter, you know what the problem with that is? As I scour the context, the problem with then answered Peter is nobody asked Peter anything. (laughs) Nobody asked him anything. Then answered Peter. I mean, but we're hard on Peter. I mean, Peter didn't mean to be bad. You look at, I think it's the gospel of Mark in this uh, scenario. It tells us Peter was just kind of battling because Peter didn't really know what to say. I mean, you look up and there's Jesus. He's as bright as the sun. And there's two dudes that have been dead a really long time. And they're just sitting around chatting. I would probably not know what to say either. But Peter had to say something. And Peter began to suggest, well, well, Lord, this is good for us to be here. Lord, I'm so glad I'm here. But, Lord, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a tabernacle. We're going to build one for you. We're going to build one for you. And we're going to be one for you. This could be wonderful. The problem is, what was Peter doing? Peter, in his babbling confusion, he, <laughs> he put Jesus on par with Moses and uh, Elijah. And Jesus is not on par with Moses and Elijah, Pe- Jesus is above them. Infinitely so. The Lord stepped in and reminded Peter. Verse 5. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In other words, the Lord was politely saying, Peter, shh. Listen to Jesus. You know, what it reminds me that I only, not only do I need to determine to receive God's plans, but I also need to determine to receive God's perspective. Sometimes I need to just kind of keep my own trap shut and and I need to allow God to form and refocus my perspective, to see things like God sees them, to prioritize things the way God does, to to, to understand the souls of men, the eternal values. And I have got to determine if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have got to not only let him set my plans, but I've also got to let him set my perspective. A call to a determined response, to receive his plans, to receive his perspective, but finally also to receive his peace and preparation. So obviously Peter and the other disciples got the message because verse 6, when they heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. Jesus in verse 7 came and touched them and said, Really, Peter, again? I thought we handled this last chapter. How many times are we going to have to go over this? Is that what the Bible says? And then Jesus came and touched them and said, Guys, you embarrassed me like that here? In front of Moses and Elijah? Is that what the Bible says? No. No. Jesus walked away and gave them the silent treatment. (laughs) No. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Boy, I, I love how Jesus came and gave help for their faith and gave hope for their future. You know, He told them to fear not. You know, so often I, like Peter, I I open my mouth, I I stumble and fall. So often, like Peter, I want to do right and I don't know how. So often, like Peter, I feel overwhelmed by the situations I'm in. So often, like Peter, I'm not sure what God's doing. So often, like Peter, I don't always like what God is doing. And yet, even in my weakness and even in my frailty, Jesus comes to me and he comes to you and he says, fear not see here's the thing it doesn't matter what you've said or what you've done or where you've been if you are coming to Christ you don't have to fear You remember back Revelation chapter 1, we saw Jesus' eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like brass, he was shining as the brightness of the sun and its strength. Go back there if you would, Liz. I think it's uh, verse 17, that last verse. And, And what happened? John fell at his feet as dead. And what happened? And Jesus laid his hand upon him and said unto him what? Fear not. Fear not. You see, we're talking about right now, we're talking about the call to follow Jesus. And some of us this morning, I want to say in love, you in your heart know you have not been following Christ. Oh, yeah, you're, you're a Christian in name. And oh, yeah, you come to church. Uh, but, and oh, yeah, you try to be a good person. But you know in your heart, like being a Christian in name and coming to church when you can and, and trying to be a good person is not really the essence of following Christ. It is about my heart seeking him in his word, in his prayer, being filled in, with the Spirit, submissive to his spirit. It's about my growing in grace every day. And some of us know this morning we have not followed Christ in a really, really long time. We've gone through the motions, we've done what people expected. We've covered our, our sins and our frailties and our failures. And we have, not, we have not really followed Christ. And honestly, the concept of coming back, the devil wants, the, the devil wants you to be afraid. The devil wants you to be afraid that, 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 that God's really not going to receive you. The devil wants you to be afraid that you shouldn't even bother because you're just going to fall again. The devil wants you to be afraid. Here's the thing about coming to Jesus, though. His response is always, fear not. Fear not. That it doesn't matter who you are, what you've said, what you've done. The call to follow Christ is a call as we come to fear not. 2 Timothy chapter 1 reminds us that God has not given us the spirit of fear. That doesn't come from God. By by the way, guilt that drives us away from God also doesn't come from God. The guilt that calls us to wallow in shame doesn't come from God. Guilt and shame come from sin and Satan. Conviction that leads to restoration. Conviction that leads to to repentance and forgiveness and Freedom, that comes from God. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what, as I I look at this, I'm overwhelmed with the greatness of Jesus, but I'm also overwhelmed with the gentleness of Jesus. It's a determination that I'm going to receive his peace. I'm going to receive his preparation. You know, when they came down from the mount, Jesus charged them that they tell no man the vision until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. You see, even in that moment, Jesus was preparing them for future ministry, reminding them that God had blessed them to experience what they did, that one day that they might be a blessing to others. And the call to follow Jesus is a call to receive his peace and his preparation. Church, simply put this morning, Christianity is the call to follow Christ. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you've never made the decision to receive Christ as your Savior, if you've never made the decision to turn from your sin and to put your faith in him and what he did for you, you might be able to see the tip of the cross behind the others oh, cross right here. All right. <laughs> what he did for you on the cross, if you've never made that decision, I'm telling you, that's first. That's first. That's first. We, we, we need to turn from our sin and turn to the Savior. If you have any question about what that means, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I would love for you to accept the invitation to receive Christ today. You can get my attention. I would love to have someone take God's word and show you from God's word how you can receive Christ today. How you can be a Christian. I'm going to tell you. Christianity at its core. Is the call. To follow Christ. And church. God is still calling. Men and women to follow him. It's going to require. That we take a different route. It's going to require. That we grow. In a deeper relationship. Every day. It's going to require that we come with a determined response to receive his plan, his perspective, his preparation. Let me ask you this morning, Christian, how closely have you answered that call? There are many who are far away. Can I tell you, if that's you this morning, the call is for you to draw close. The book of James tells us that if we draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to us. You don't have to fear coming back to Christ. You don't have to fear confessing your sin. You don't have to fear getting back up and following again. Are you answering that call? I'm going to tell you some of us it's maybe even been a long time since we felt the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts but if we will listen this morning you know what you'll find you will find that there is still a still small voice down in your soul calling you to follow Christ don't push him out don't drown him out Don't tune him out. Don't tell him, "Mm, we'll get to it tomorrow. Church, let's answer the call to follow Jesus today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I invite you to stand with me in a time of invitation. This is basically you're invited to respond as God has spoken to your heart. I'm going to tell you, the world calls you to follow a lot of things, but nothing in this world can touch what it means to follow Jesus.